What a wonderful opportunity we have again today to gather together in the Lord's house and in the Lord's day with the Lord's people. And you know, one of the great things that church is really all about is having opportunities to remind one another of the things that are so very, very important in life. You know, this world can get us distracted. It can pull us away with so many different things that are going on. But here we have the opportunity for brothers and sisters to help us laser in, to get focused on the things that are important, the things that don't change. And so one of the things that's just been on my heart is we have so many new believers in our church family, so many that are just embarking on great pilgrimages in their, in their Christian lives, that this is the time that we need to be reminded of those things that are unchanging. You know, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, even the most seasoned saint can be attacked by the demons of doubt. And doubt by itself is not bad. It can be a good thing. Thomas was a good doubter. He seriously was looking for answers to questions that he had. And those who are serious searchers will always find answers to what God has put question there on their heart. He is that answer. But here at church, we can affirm one another, encourage one another, admonish one another on the things that are true. And so this series is about things that every believer should know that they know that they know. And we started out this series about God's love, that God loves you, and that will never change. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less. And the way that shakes down in our salvation is once we have been received in that love, once we have asked Christ to come into our heart with all that love, that salvation is eternal. That can't change either. Last week, we looked at the Word of God, and that we can depend on the Word of God to be our absolute inerrant, infallible revelation of God to us. No, here, here's what we believe and here's how we behave. And we were just encouraged by so many things about that. Today, I want to share something to you that's very, very deep and close to my heart that I believe every believer needs to be absolutely assured of and know this in the depths of their heart. And that is, what is the church and why is it important to me? What is the church, <clears throat> and why, why should that be important to us? I say that special to me because I didn't have the privilege some of you had to have basically been born in the church. Some of you have been born almost right here and grew up with uh, knowing the stories, knowing that going to Sunday school and Bible school and all of those things. That wasn't, that wasn't my story. Uh, I found myself very much alone, very much abandoned, very angry, uh, very, very much in, in emotional and spiritual pain when I heard the gospel for the first time. And I embraced that, and Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But what surprised me that I didn't know what I was going to get in the process of that was getting a family. And that's what the church was to me from the very beginning. My family was all fractured. And so, for me, I found brothers and sisters I found moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas in the faith who loved me and who saw in me somebody that God could write on, somebody that God could, could use to do something with. And so they encouraged me. They also had to get all over me from time to time because I brought all those old ways right into the church with me. And I don't know how many times my pastor or youth minister said, no, 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 that's not how we talk around here. That's not how we act around here. But they loved me through that, loved me to grow through. And, and I owe whatever I've become in my life in large measure 
to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved me and embodied Christ for me, correcting me, straightening me out when I was so far astray, loving me in spite of all of that, educating me, encouraging me. And so this is really, really important to me. This is, is a heartbeat for me. I want you to leave today knowing how important the church of Jesus Christ is to you and recommitting yourself to what the church can be in your life. Now, as we do that, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. That's towards the back of your New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10. Because very early in the life of the church, there was a great commitment to the church, but then there were some who didn't find the importance or significance to the church. Do you know that's true today? Uh, You go through Ebenezer's church roles, and you'll find a huge percentage of the names on those roles that have not darkened these doors in years. They, they may be going somewhere else, and we just don't know. They, they may not be going anywhere. They may be staying home. And let me tell you, one of the side effects that COVID had, <laughs> a lot of people that were peripheral and really had not anchored into the life of the church whatsoever just kind of disappeared, no matter how hard we tried to keep up with them. And we still haven't seen many of them come back. And part of it was because they didn't have a concept of really belonging really belonging to a family and a body of Christ. It is so important for us to be that to one another. And let me just tell you something. I want to be right up front. I don't want to offend anybody here today, but listen. God did not design you to do this by yourself. He did not design you to go solo when it comes to living the Christian life. We have to live it out personally, absolutely. But listen, God designed you to live in community. He designed you to live in family. And that family being the body of Christ, the local church. And so hear me right now. If this church is not absolutely vital to you, if you don't receive life-giving nourishment from this church, let me encourage you to either get engaged to where you can tap those resources or find you another place. Because in God's plan of things, you are to be intimately, integrally, in a life-giving relationship with a fellowship of people, a group of people, and together you love him and serve him. And that is what this is about. Even today we have some people that don't know the value. But let me, hear, let me, let me let you hear what God's word tells us. Beginning in verse 24 in, in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says, and let us consider one another. It's important to consider one another. And the only way you can consider one another is if you're in close proximity with one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Here's what we're supposed to do to one another. We're supposed to poke at one another. You say, I don't like to be poked at. Well, you need to be poked at every now and then. We're to be poking at one another to stir one another up to love and good works. That's part of what we do when we're here every, every Sunday. And if you feel the Holy Spirit poking at you, Don't get mad at him. Don't get mad at me. All right? To poke one another, to consider one another, to grow in our love and good works. Look here. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Obviously, there were some who were ignoring this. 
but rather exhorting one another. That means really getting in one another's face. Exhorting one another, and so much more now as we see the day approaching. I want to read this to you in a a different translation, if I may. Uh, If you're not familiar with the Amplified Bible, the Amplified Bible is, is a wonderful translation, but it takes some key words and it gives all the different various phases of meaning to them. And so it it expands, it amplifies what a verse may say. And here's what the Amplified says. Don't forsake our meeting together as believers for worship and for instruction, as the habit of some has become, but rather encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as we see the day of Christ's return coming. He said, this is important. We should not in any way be ignoring this. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are the Spirit of the church. You are Jesus Christ in our midst, in our hearts, and in our gathering. And by your grace, we uplift the name of Christ and the Ancient of Days, who is our Father in worship and love. We can do things together we can't do alone. Lord, impress upon us, especially our new believers and those who are just embarking on a time of spiritual growth, the absolute vital nature of your church. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. So I started by saying, what is the church? I want you to look at the heavenly perspective, God looking down. What is the church? The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. The one whom he gave his life for, the one who redeemed, and the one he's coming back to receive unto himself. This is the bride of Christ. The Bible says the church is also the body of Christ. This is the presence of Jesus Christ on this corner in Toccoa, Georgia, is Ebenezer Baptist Church. There are other local manifestations of that church, but right here on this corner, the world can look and see Jesus Christ right here. How's that? Because we are his body. We are his body. That's the, the way God looks at us. And listen, he loves us And he has a purpose for us. He has a plan for us. He has missions and ministries for us to be involved in. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Now, as a local church, this is just a local manifestation of that. You've got other manifestations all over the city and all over the county. But we are this particular manifestation of the larger body of Christ. The larger body of Christ transcends all nations, transcends all time. And when he gathers his bride together, there's going to be a bunch of us, right? Throughout all the ages. And we celebrate that. But the local church are individual Christ followers who have bound themselves together to be about the family business. This is who we are. And this is what we do. We are his bride, his body, right here, bound together to where we can do the things that the church is called to do. And we can't do that individually. We can't do that just in our homes. Now, we can be a a, a home microcosm of that, and we should, but we can't do just as a, a, a one person, two people, a small family. We can't do what the big body does. We can attempt things for Christ here that we could never attempt 
if we were working singularly. We're the local body. The church is not the building. This is not the church. And the church is not the sum total of all the ministries that flow out of this building either. The church is people. People. And that's why the church here is gathered, but in a little while we'll be the church scattered. Still the church. Here we're gathered to receive encouragement and, and hope and healing and direction and so on, but then we're the church scattered to go be the church all over this county and all over this part of northeast Georgia. That's who we are. We are Christ's presence here in this community. And listen to me. This is God's plan A to reach Stevens County. And he doesn't have a plan B. You and I are God's plan A to reach Stevens County with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't have a plan B. We're it. The scripture tells us that we are the pillar and the foundation. The word of God present in this community. That's what he sees the church as being. That's us. That's who we are. That's our job description. That's what God calls us to be and what God calls us to do. So that's what the church is. So, so why is the church important? Well, if you heard what I've said so far, then you're probably going to say, uh, duh. <laughs> if that's what the church is, that's why it's important. Well, I want us to look and see specifically how important the church was when it first started. Now, you see, we, we, we don't see the church in the Old Testament. We see the people of God that gathered and traveled and did these various things. But the church itself did not begin until Christ. After hearing Peter's great confession of faith in him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, Now upon this truth, upon this confession, upon these words, I will build my what? Church. That's where the word was used. It, it, it was not a word that was used before then. It is the ecclesia. Ek means out of. Kaleo means to be called. People who are called out of the world, called out of paganism, called out of sin, to be his unique children, his bride, his body. You and I were called out of our old way of life to be a vital part of his body. This is why it's so important. You and I can't fulfill our purpose in life apart from the church. With very few exceptions, the, the missionary that's sent to the far field where nobody knows about the gospel of Jesus Christ, now they're, they're the, but the church sends them. The church is the one who sends them. The evangelist who goes and preaches all over, yes, they're out there on their own, but it's the church that sends them. So you see, the church is essential, even in doing missions and evangelism and ministry, because this is where it all springs. This is why it's so significant. But I have to tell you, we've fallen on some sad times. We've fallen on some sad times. Do you know that the church, the pillar and foundation of the Word of God in, here in Stevens County, 
We have to compete for your attention, for your devotion, for your time, for your support, literally. We're, we're in a competition. The leadership of the church is in a competition. We're competing against travel ball. We're competing against civic organizations. We're competing against a host of good things in our community that's demanding your time and your attention and your travel and your money and your allegiance. We're in a competition. And I have to tell you, sometimes I think we're losing. Because the attitude for church today is if I don't have anything better to do, I'll come. If the kids haven't got a game, or I haven't got golf planned, or if I'm not going fishing, or if I haven't got too much housework to do, then we'll come to church. Do you know that thinking is alien to the Scriptures? Absolutely alien. Because in the Bible, people belonged to the church. We don't even use that word the way we used to. I can remember in earlier days, you'd ask somebody, hey, do you go to church anywhere? They say, oh, I belong to Ebenezer Baptist Church. Or I belong to Confidence Methodist Church, or whatever the case may be. Because there was that sense of belonging. There was a part of me was owned body, mind, and soul by that church. I was committed there. This was where life happens for me. And this is where I draw my identity and my purpose and my companionship and my love and my healing and my hope. But we're now surrounded by a whole vast army of people who have raised their hands and say, oh, I'm a believer, but I'm not a belonger. I'm not a belonger. You know, it's easier to get somebody to sign the papers for a 30-year loan on a home than it is to become a member of a church. Think about that. Because there is this attitude, many times in the church of Christ, that church membership and church attendance and church devotion is no different from a magazine subscription. And if it's not scratching where I itch, we'll just cancel the subscription. This is the real arena where ministers work. This is the real arena where your church leaders, your deacons, and your, your small group leaders function. We are in a daily competition with everything else in the world that's drawing you away. And I don't say that to hurt your feelings. I don't say that to, 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 to you know, get on to anything like that. I'm saying this is reality of life. But it is alien to the concept in the Scriptures. So I want you to turn to the second chapter of Acts again. Let's look at where the church began. I know we've looked at this before, but not, not, not quite from this angle. In the second chapter of Acts, beginning with verse 42 down to verse 47, you have the church in its foundational form. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on the day of Pentecost. He gave his Holy Spirit. All of these things started happening. Holy Spirit came within rather than just upon them. And, and this explosive, powerful, 
expression of the body of Christ had its beginnings. And what you see in these verses from 42 to 47 is that the church became a vital, life-giving source, first of all, for physical needs. I'm not going to get into this very much today. But physical needs. Physical needs were met within the body of Christ. Now, I'm all for insurance, and I'm all for Medicare and Medicaid and all the rest of this. But the church needs to take care of its own. Let me say that again, because I need an amen from somebody. The church needs to take care of its own. It does. And we have shuffled all of the physical needs off to the government somewhere and wonder why they're all in our business. Historically, when you look at the church, when there were physical needs that were there, the church stepped up and the church dealt with it. Now that's also the history and the legacy of your church right here. And some of you could, if you were not been embarrassed, would raise your hand and say, yep, I've been a recipient of some of that. But there were physical needs in the early church. There was also social needs. You see, when, when the church started, the church was ministering to blasted families that were no longer together. Some of the people that had been enslaved. And they had very little sense of societal family together. And so socially, it met huge needs in the lives of those members. But I'm not going to go into those two. I want to go into a third point this morning. And this is where the church was founded to meet spiritual needs. To meet the spiritual needs of those members. And this is where they poured themselves out. Let's look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly, or your word may say they were devoted or devotedly. Just kind of underline those two words or one word or whatever, because it's just one word in the Greek. But they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Those are the four things we're going to talk about this morning that flows out of this. It says these early members were devoted or they were steadfastly, they continued steadfastly. This, this word means obstinate persistence. Obstinate persistence. Say, so well, what, what is that? Consider for a moment a five-year-old tugging at your pants trying to get your attention. When does that stop? When you die. They have this incredible, obstinate persistence. They are going to do whatever it takes to get your attention. I mean, that, that there's something they want to ask. They may forget what it was by the time you said, what do you want? That's obstinate persistence, okay? You, you, you take a fan base for a football team, and their determination to watch that game or be at that game, that's obstinate persistence. They will hurt you if you get between them and the TV set, okay? That's, that's obstinate persistence. That's what this word means. But look what they were doing. They were obstinately persistent to be engaged in the life of the family of God. They had this tenacity, this determination. Nothing will keep me away. Because they drew life from one another. They drew hope 
from one another. They had healing spoke into their lives. They found a place to belong. They found a place to belong. And this is one of the deepest needs in my heart that was met by the church. At a time that my family was just absolutely being shattered, I found a place that I could belong. And I've belonged to the church ever since and have been her servant over all of these years. They had this sense of belonging. We need to get back to being belongers. That I find hope and help and healing from my church. Sometimes my family don't know how to give it. Sometimes my people I work with don't know how to give that. Sometimes my neighbors don't know how to give that. But my church was created by Almighty God to give that. You see? Here is God's creation to meet our deepest needs. But how does that happen? When we are absolutely, obstinately persistent to be a part of it. And this is what God is calling us to return to. The, the early church understood this. And even to the point that they said, look, there are all kinds of physical needs, all kinds of spiritual needs going on uh, out here, and social needs. But look, our pastors, our ministers, need to dedicate themselves to the Word of God and to prayer. And that's where deacons were created. They said, let us handle all of these, these uh, uh, nuts and bolts that come up. We want to free your hands, Pastor, to where you can get into the Word, to where you can listen to the Spirit of the Word, and you can share and teach and, and give us all of the wonderful things that God wants us to have. Let us free your hands to do that. That's how tenacious they were. That, uh, that's just so important, they told us. So what was it? that they tenaciously gave themselves to. Let's look for a moment. First of all, they gave themselves, they devoted themselves, they were, were obstinately tenacious to the apostles' teaching. To the teaching. One of the major things we do here at Ebenezer is to share the Word of God, to teach the Word of God. Whether it's here in big group, whether it's in small groups, whether it's on Wednesday night, whether it's with the babies, whether it's with the children, the youth, it doesn't matter. What we're doing, we're saying, here's the Word of God. Here's how it applies to our lives. And we're met with a problem. What does the Bible say? We're met with an opportunity. What does the Bible say? And over and over and over again, whatever the situation is, we're diving into the Word. What does the Word tell us about this? And this is nothing new for us. Because this was life in the early church. You see, all of this was brand new to them. Church is all old hat for some of us, but it was brand new to them. And there was so much they wanted to learn, so much they wanted to experience. Their scriptures that they had at the time, that was the Old Testament. They knew how it was interpreted by the Pharisees and the legalists, but Jesus came interpreting it in a whole new way. And he passed this on to the apostles. And the apostles' teaching was how we see the Christ in the Old Testament and how we see the, the, the prophecy of his coming and all of the details in, there in, in prophetic form and, and the sharing of the gospel that Christ came 
to bear our sins upon himself on a cross, to die to take our sins away, and then he rose again that he could give us his eternal life. This was entrusted to the church, and so people were eager to understand, how does this work? How does this work? How does this flesh out? And let me tell you, I walked into a situation, blank slate. <laughs> I didn't have the years of, of vacation Bible school or Sunday school like some of y'all had. And, and, you know, I just said, here, here I am, teach me. And I was like a dry sponge jumped into a pail of water, just sucking up so much of what the Word was telling you. That's what every lost person is when they walk into this church. Every new believer is just like that. Every person who's saying, God, God, I've wandered around long enough, but here I want to start my genuine Christian growth before you. Every one of these individuals is like that dry piece of sponge thrown into the water. And what do we do? We say, let's go to the Word. Here's the answer. This is what we're doing on, on, on Wednesday night as we're looking about how to be a Christ follower and, and, and that made-up word that I have a followology. We get, how, do we, how do we do this? How does the Word tell us how to walk and go after Him? Let me tell you something. We're living in a famine. We're living in a time of great drought. The prophet Samuel, when he was young, he said this in 1 Samuel 3.1. He said, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Let me tell you, the word of the Lord is rare in our day. Many times you come to folks with a problem, and you say, well, let me tell you what I think about that. You, you come with a heartache, and somebody says, well, let me tell you how I feel about that. I don't give a rip what you think or feel about that. What does God say about that? And, and our small group leaders, as they facilitate, it's good to know what you think. It's good to know what you feel. But what does the Word say? Because I can't run my life on what I think because my thoughts get really screwy sometimes. And so do yours. So don't you laugh at me. And my emotions get all fickled inside. And so do yours. We can't depend on those things. But the Word of God is eternal and unchanging and written in the heavens. And this is where we go. Despite what we think, despite how we feel. Thus saith the Lord. And that's how we decide to believe and how we decide to order our lives and how we decide to behave. And God chose, listen, God chose to take all of the truth in this Bible, all of the promises, all of the wonders and mystery, and he said, look, I need somebody I can entrust to take all of the holy history of my relating to mankind I need somebody I can trust to place this into their hands and distribute it to the world. And He chose you. He chose the church. The foundation and pillar, the repository of all truth. You and I are called on to be those in this place, in this location, who disseminates the truth of God's Word. 
with all of the love that we can muster, and yet all of the power that the word endues. That is why here at Ebenezer, over and over and over again, we say the same thing. What's the Bible say? Let's just agree we're going to do what the Bible says, whatever that is, that's what we're going to do. So, if you're looking for a place that points you to the Word of God, Ebenezer is a good choice. If you're looking for somebody who will point you to the latest fad that's out there and the latest uh, theology that's out running rampant around the internet right now, you're not going to be very happy here. We're old school. What does the Word of God say? Because that's what the church did. So their first way that they were ministered to, they drew vital, life-giving power and purpose from the Word of God. Secondly, it tells us that they were obstinately persistent to fellowship. Now let me listen to me very carefully. Fellowship is what happens when we study and do the Word of God together. Let me say that again. I want that to sink into your noggin. Fellowship is what happens when we study and do the Word of God together. This, this is imperative. I hate to bust a bubble, but fellowship has nothing to do with fried chicken. Sorry. And I'm a good Baptist, all right? Fellowship is what happens when we study and do the Word of God together. Let me tell you something about the mission trips that we take. I hope every one of you would avail yourself the opportunity to go on one with us someday. But as we, even back in the days when I was here, when we would go on mission trips, what would happen as we were studying the Word of God together and doing the Word of God together, He would knit that team together in an incredible way that it would never happen sitting in a Sunday school class or just hanging around church. Because together we were seeking to do the Word together. And not only that, that impact came across to the church that we were going to minister at. And that purposefulness and that fellowship was sweet. Five years ago when I took my first uh, uh, journey with Guidestone to meet the other trustees for Guidestone, there was a fellow that he looked familiar but I couldn't place him for anything in the world. And, and we got to talking a little later, and he laughed at me at one point. He said, Brother Fred, you and a team from Ebenezer came to Cambridge, Maryland to build my church. And I said, yes. Yes, I remember. We took a bunch of teenagers with us that time. Boy, do we need your prayers. You know, there was like 25 of them and only about 8 or 10 adults. It was a scary time, I'm here to tell you. Anyway, but we, we, we arrived on the, and, and the things we were able to do, God just blessed phenomenally. And some of the ties with those teenagers that we had them last still today, and they've got teenagers of their own, okay? But he told me, y'all did more than build our building. Y'all helped build our church. Because the love and the fellowship y'all had and starting each day with devotions, and stopping and praying for one another if there was a need. That built our church. Folks, 
you don't ever outgrow this. You don't ever get, it doesn't get any better than this. But fellowship is that which happens when we study and do the Word together. That's fellowship. And where you see the word koinonia used throughout the Scriptures, 19 different times in the New Testament, it always describes this, that wonderful thing that happens when we get together and we say, what does the Bible say now? How do we go do that? How do we put that in action? And that's what's behind every sermon, every lesson, everything that we do here, is how can we take the Word of God and then go do it? That's fellowship. And they, they were persistent, they were tenacious to be in church because that's the place the fellowship happened, where we studied the Word together and then did the Word together. The third thing that they did, the early church were obstinately persistent to the sharing of meals, the breaking of bread together. Now, this is where I know they're Baptist, okay? The breaking of bread, that was a technical term that came out of, uh, out of Judaism, as a matter of fact. And this was the prayer that was prayed before the bread was broken. The very thing Jesus was doing at the Passover, uh, you know, where it says that you know, he, he gave thanks and break, broke the bread. The, that breaking of the bread is a phrase that means that's where you pray a thanksgiving prayer over God meeting not only your physical needs in the bread, but your spiritual needs in the rest of your life. This is why we have a blessing today. This is why we have a blessing today. It's, it, it, we stop long enough before we fill our face to let the overflow of our heart say, thank you, God, that even as you're going to bless my body with this food, you've already blessed my soul with genuine fellowship. Now, there's nothing better than sitting across the table from somebody that you have a connection with, a close uh, bond with. It, it's just precious. Here's the best way to say it. Have you ever been in one of those awkward situations where you find yourself sitting across the table with someone you're at odds with? Maybe it happened last Thanksgiving or last Christmas, huh? Yes, it happens sometimes. Maybe you're on the outs with somebody in the family or whatever the case may be. It's awkward. It's just awkward. But when you sit down with somebody who you're doing life with, who you're walking and fleshing out the Word with, there is a bond that happens there that is so powerful. And so the early church, as often as they could, when they got together, what did they do? They had meals together. Because they sat across the table from people they were doing life with. They, they, were, they were growing with, they were hurting with, they were agonizing with, but they were growing together. And it was a powerful moment each and every time they did that. And so they wouldn't miss it. They were steadfastly, bodaciously determined to be there. And then the last thing, it says they devoted themselves to prayer. Now, prayer is a wonderful thing that we do within our heart. This is something that's intentionally personal between us and God. We practice it in the quietness of our prayer closet or whatever it may be, that just, just you and God are talking. And maybe intimately you do with maybe your spouse or with your children. And that's, 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 that's where prayer is. It's got to be internalized. It's got to be real. It's got to be communion with God. But listen, there is a power in praying together. There's a phenomenal release of Holy Spirit power when we pray together. We've seen it happening. 
right here in our church in recent days. When God calls us to put our hearts and minds together on one particular need, that's phenomenal. We've been praying over constitution and bylaws. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. I hope you're praying fervently for your search team as we're looking for the new pastor and you're praying for him. As we gather together, that should be something we always have on our mind when we're together in our small groups, we're together in big groups like this. That together we put the energy of all of our prayers together. God, just anoint our search team. Coming away as they look back and say, boy, that was God all the way right there. And then we pray for that man that God's going to bring in here and fill this place. And we're falling in love with him already. We don't even know his name. But we begin to fall in love with him because that's how God unites us in prayer with somebody we've never even seen before. But we're going to. And he's going to be our shepherd. And we're going to know him when we see him. Because God's painted this picture in our prayer right before our very eyes. Are you praying for your search team? Are you praying for your spiritual leaders and such? Please do that. Prayer together avails so much. So let me sum up. We, we, we need the church because of our spiritual needs. When you go through the Bible, and we're going to read part of a church covenant next week, you, you'll see a phrase that's repeated over and over and over again. It's the phrase, one another. And we have written our church covenant around those 40, I think, one another statements. That we're to love one another, admonish one another, be hospitable to one another. We're to exhort one another. We're to encourage one another. All of these things. You, you just can't do that by yourself. You need to do that in community. In community. And so... As God calls us to meet our spiritual needs within the church, he has, he has created you in a proprietary way. I didn't even know what the word meant until I started getting involved more and more in computers. You know, proprietary, what that means? That means that, that only if you get the part made for that particular computer will it work. Only if you use a program that was made for that particular platform will it work. Yep. Automobile industry has been doing this forever. You know, uh, they all use spark plugs, but you've got to have one that goes for just a particular, you know, proprietary. That's what that means. God created you in a proprietary manner that the spiritual needs you have can only be met in his body, in his bride, in his church. We need one another. Your ministers need you and you need them. Your deacons need you and you need them. Your small group leaders need you and you need them. We need one another to do all of these one another's to one another. And we can only do it in community. When you ignore this, when you just put this as one other thing on your agenda that you've got to do this week, you lose the wonder and magic of why you come here at all. If you think you can make it on your own, what you're saying to God is, I don't need you. I don't need you. I can handle this by myself. Who would be so foolish? It's like being really sick but refusing to take the medicine the doctor gave you. It's like running your tank on empty but driving right by the last gas station for the next hundred miles. Why would you be so foolish 
to do that. It's about dying of thirst but refusing to take the drink of water that's offered to you. Why would you do that? And why would you be satisfied with parking your butt on a pew when God has so much more that He wants you to experience? A living dynamic belonging to a family. Partnering in the family business. That's what church is. And let me tell you a word that sums all this up. And the word is membership. Is being a member of that local body of Christ. Not being satisfied to just be a believer, but choose to be a belonger. That's membership. And some of you have been visiting for weeks or months, or maybe some of you have been visiting here for years. And you might have been engaged in this ministry or that ministry a little bit. But you haven't taken the next step. What's the next step? The next step is saying, I want to be a part of this family. I want to know what it is to belong. To belong to this body of Christ and to dream these dreams and be a part of seeing God move here in this place. You know who you are if you need to take that step. If you want to know how to do that, I'm going to be right down here after the worship time is over. There's folks back in the Connection Center that will answer that. There'll be other staff ministers here who will as well. You've been watching from the outside, and we're glad you have. It's time to come on in. It's time to join the family. And let's do all that God has called us to do together. Because you see, there's so much more than we can do together. And speaking of things we have to do together, one of the things that we get to do as members is we chart a course for our own future. We're doing that as we call our new pastor. We're charting the course for our future. As we get behind our search team and praying for them and as they bring this person in whenever they do, we're determining our future. But you know who gets to do that? Those who are members. So in a moment, we're going to be doing something that will determine our future. And that is voting on our Constitution and bylaws. So only members, please, raise your hand in a few moments. Whether you're voting for or against it, doesn't matter. But only members get to do this. Because you have to be a member to determine the future of this church. So you'll understand. We're not, we're not again you. We're just saying this is family business. And we want you to be right here. It's not going to take us but about two minutes to do this. But only members, please vote, all right? We want you all to be members so you can all vote. Now, the Constitution and Bylaws has been made available to you. You've had two different opportunities to come and ask questions uh, about that. You've had uh, several weeks to read over it, call and ask questions or whatever. And so now it's time to bring to us for a vote. It comes as a committee, so it doesn't require a second. It's just before us. This announcement has already been given. So it's time for us to just say yes or no to this being our Constitution and bylaws that's charting our way to move into the future. So I'm going to ask you in just a moment if you're voting in favor of it to raise your hand, and then I'll ask for those who are voting against it to raise your hand. And both is okay because we're family, all right? Both is okay because we're family. All right, so you've had a chance to read all of this. You're all prepared. So if you're in favor of the Constitution and bylaws being ours, it says what we want it to say, raise your hand right now. And hold it up for a minute because I've got to look around here real carefully. Okay. Thank you so much. Put them down. Now, if you're opposed to this, please raise your hand with me right now. I want you to do that. 
Okay? All right. So that's uh, that's overwhelming majority. That's everybody. And so we're going to go with that. And that's how we're going to close out today. We did something that only family can do. Chart the future of our church. I'm going to be here in a few moments. People are in the Connection Center. If we can talk to you about taking next steps, please allow us to do that. Will you stand, please? We're going to be dismissed in prayer. Father God, thank you for the incredible privilege of serving this incredible church. Lord, for the vision that you gave Brother Andy for all those years and how he led us so wonderfully, and for the future that you have for us now. Lord, we thank you. And we thank you we get to be a part of this. And we get to draw life-giving blood from our fellowship and membership in our church. Lord, for those that are needing to make this decision, Holy Spirit, that's between you and them. But we want to facilitate that. Dismiss us now from being the church gathered to being the church scattered. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you today.